We're back to the Neil Haley Show. Also, the media giant effect. My guests today, I'm going to have such a fun time with them. All stars from Young Rock on NBC. Guys, thanks for stopping by. You know, it, it, this show means so much to me because I'm a former professional wrestler. So it's it's interesting to see the whole wrestling business. And I watch, I binge watched the two seasons and everything. And how many? I guess go right to Stacy first. How much feedback are you getting from people that are re- professional wrestlers about this show? Because it really, I lived the life on the road. I was only a minor leagues professional wrestler, never made it to the WWE. I did TV once. But to see a lot of the story just really hits home for wrestlers. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't get much feedback from professional wrestlers, but um, I do get a lot of feedback from people who remember meeting Asa back in the day or Leah or Rocky, you know, um, and it's all amazing and good. And they really love, um, it's like nostalgia. They get to go back in memory lane and see these characters and be like, oh, my God. And then, you know, people might tweet like a random fan photo of him as a young kid and be like, this is when I met him and it was 1999. I love all that. It's it's really nice to be a part of um, kind of awakening people's memories in that way. And Bradley, what have you learned from, about professional wrestling since you've been part of this show? Because it really gives a lineage and a history of this, the sport. Yeah, so much. I mean, I thought I knew about wrestling. And then, you know, this show started. <laughs> I realized it's a lot deeper uh, than it goes. I mean, I, I knew about The Rock. I knew about Stone Cold, Triple H, all those guys in the early 2000s. But um, the history with Rocky Johnson and how all the wrestlers knew each other, you know, the Dwayne knew all these wrestlers when he was young, teenager and younger. Um, I know that I've learned that wrestling is just a big family. It's a huge family. I mean, I literally, when I watch the show, I pinch myself because again, I wrestled with the Bushwhackers. I wrestled with King Kong Bundy. It's just like, and I, and I and you know, Jimmy Supersize Snooker was on shows with me on the, you know, at the end of his career before he passed away. So it's just like, holy cow. And it just really tells more of a story to what the business is about. So I don't know if you, Joey, have you heard anything on the end playing Rocky that people reached out to you that knew Rocky and were that wrestled with Rocky and stuff like that and getting feedback of how you've been playing his character? I think people are, are so shocked at how much I, I look like Rocky. They 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 can't believe it. Um and and one of the uh one of the episodes I actually wrestled with someone who was tag team partners with Rocky in Memphis. And so he, he was like just blown away by, you know, the similarities. And then how about like learning the lineage of Memphis? Because I did wrestle in Memphis and I, I I told Bradley this before. The Rock wore my knee pads. He forgot his knee pads in the TV taping. I was in Memphis and I wrestled and The Rock wore my knee pads. So shout out to The Rock. Again, my uh, podcast is number 12 celebrity podcast in the world. So Dwayne, I'm calling you out. You know me. We work together with Burt Prentice and Jerry the King Lawler on shows together, I'm asking you to come on my show. I had to just put that shout out out there. You know, it's called, and that, that's something I'm sure that you guys have learned. Dwayne, working with Dwayne, Dwayne really expects a lot and he expects other people to really step it up. Would you guys agree? Go left to right on that question. Would you agree being part of this whole story? I mean, just seeing how, how hard he works, it makes everyone want to work harder like it, it just he, he brings that out of everybody yeah 
he definitely brings it out of everybody and and, 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 and how he learned interesting about how he learned promos in last season and how he looked at all these uh, older pro wrestlers and their ability to do promos. And then now I go back and watch the rocks promos and I say, Holy cow, I see all those differences that were from other people like, uh, Dusty Rhodes and like some of the other people, superstar Billy Graham and, you know, even Jerry the King Lawler. He has some of the stuff of Lawler. I wrestled Lawler multiple times and stuff like that. All right. So I just wanted to kind of give that feedback of wrestlers. There's tons of wrestlers watching this. They're learning the business in so many ways. What should we expect this season without giving everything away? Stacy, go, you go first. I think we're now in this season, and for fans of the show uh, who know kind of the story chronologically where we should sort of roughly be at, um, there's a lot of treats in store because we, we're at this kind of pivotal time in Dwayne's career where he's taking off and, you know, becoming who we know as The Rock. And so I think it's, um, it's going to be a really interesting watch for fans to see that and, of course, see all the other characters that are around at that time and some really, you know, beloved wrestlers and faces and people that we all you know make up like our childhoods and again it's about the nostalgia of it all it just it's just really super cool and how where's your character going this season bradley are we seeing a more learn more about what's happening with him and some of the other stories that happen with him that's the cool thing is going back in the side you see seeing stories but the reason the rock became the rock was based on specific stories that's what's so awesome about the show there's so many, especially in my era, there's a lot of these kind of mental notes or these moments that changed his mindset, which really, you know, led to him getting to that point where he became a wrestler and he became the rock, um, but with his priorities, but also what he, um, you know, where he gets that determination, where he's going to work hard, he wants to outdo everyone else, you know, um, but also that he becomes a good person at the same time, you know, he's not going to knock anyone else down just to you know build himself up and in my era I get a little bit older and I'm getting ready to go to college and uh, Dwayne thinks he's gonna go to the NFL and he's gonna buy his mama house he's gonna take care of his family make all the money you know so I my character is a lot more confident and a lot more um, sure of himself and where he's headed uh, this season than before he's not the Dewey of 15 years old now, so you're going to have to hit the gym more then, right? That's a challenge for you, right? If you're going to continue to look at the build and what the next character ends up being and they're showing your story, right? Yes. Is that true? <laughs> Training more? You know, yeah. and yeah, for sure. Okay. um, Joey, kind of jumping back into specifically enough, your character, you made, a, uh, as Rocky Johnson, you made a lot of bad decisions throughout your career that cost you opportunities, especially with Vince and things like that. Are we going to learn more and more that backstory, especially where, you know, he made the decision to go work for another promotion and missed out on WrestleMania and things like that. Yeah, we're definitely going to see what happened in Saudi Arabia. We've talked about it, but you know, this time we're, we're going there and uh, we're going to get to see what was ultimately the downfall of Rocky Johnson. And you learn, Joey, in this process, uh, Joseph, in learning this specifically, what's happening in this whole deal, is you're, you learn in being part of this character that ultimately the professional wrestling business is very political. And if you make the wrong steps or the wrong mistakes, you don't end up somewhere if you're not connected to somebody. But I think that what Dwayne was able to do in this story, and we're going to learn more about it, is he was able to play both sides the political end of it, but also 
he was not willing to take it as we're going to learn about where he was, you know, getting booed by the fans and the gimmick wasn't getting over. And Vince thought it was time for him to go. And ultimately he took a chance, right. And said, I'm going to go out and do this. And that is exactly what Rocky does. Right. So he used some of what Rocky did at times in his learning experience said, well, I now have to be more like Rocky, my dad, to, to not allow this to happen. I'm already on top. I'm going to stay on top. Isn't that true? Wouldn't you agree? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's wow. I never thought about that. Yeah. He actually did. Wow. Because he saw specifically enough in his character. He knew that, okay, my dad stood up for me at times. My dad didn't take it for certain business promoters. Remember when he was going to go work at this promotion, get paid a good amount of money from last season. And he said, nope. I'm not paying. I'm not going to represent that kind of character. I'm out. Dwayne explained those things. And I think that might have had more to do with the storyline. Uh, what did you learn more and more about wrestling, Stacy, from being, the, again, uh, a playing a promoter, especially and all that? What would you say your biggest learning experience is from learning the business, from just kind of the scripts and understanding it more? Yeah, I think it was it's kind of what Bradley touched on before about the um, the kind of connectedness between everyone and and um, I mean going into it I, I, I'm very open about the fact that I just was not a wrestling fan I, I kind of had my preconceived ideas about it and the world that it was in and it was like instantly kind of blown the water as soon as I got on um, to set and see early on in season one and watching these guys. Um, work with Chavo Guerrero and um, you know do all the moves and stuff and learning more from from Chavo from Brian about the behind the scenes and how things the mechanics of how things all worked and I was uh, it really gave me a whole new respect for the world of wrestling um, and I think you just that I, I never I it never really kind of dawned on me how um, just generational it was in um, the kind of like lineage of some of these wrestlers and how they're all connected from back in the day. And especially like we touched on a lot of that with the show with how, you know, Dwayne literally grew up in that world and talking to Atta, uh, you know, about her parents, Peter and Leah, and how she grew up in that world and hearing some of these stories about what she kind of was exposed to and saw as a young girl, you know, with her parents in that world. And this carries all the way through to now DJ's own daughter, you know, and it's, it's just when you think about that time span of like, we're going back to like the sixties, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the way through it. Amazing. And then what Dwayne was able to do was overcome a lot of obstacles in the business because again, a lot of stars after they made it, they go back on the road and they're hitting the gimmicks table and he chose the movies. And I'm looking forward to see where that happened. And he's helped John Zena in so many ways be able to step out because Hulk Hogan never could do it. He never could do become the movie star. And now the rock is paving the way for many professional athletes, pro wrestlers to be able to go do that for sure. And guys got tuned into young rock best place. We can follow all of you go down the line. Tell me where we can follow you. But again, tune into young rock again, tomorrow night, 8 30 PM Eastern only on NBC or catch up again on Peacock, which I caught up in all season two uh, when I was traveling. So, guys, any place to follow you on social media, hit up your spots. Where can people follow you? Stacey, where yeah, can you they can follow me? Follow me on Good. And on Twitter, Stacey MS Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Bradley Constant. 
Or we also have a Young Rock TikTok now. We're going to start posting some cool behind-the-scenes stuff. Young yeah, Rock Talk. All right. Rock talk. <laughs> and then where can we follow you? Good. On Instagram, at official Joseph Lee Anderson. We appreciate it, Joseph. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the media giant. In fact, I'm excited to welcome first my co-host, Kim Sorrell, author of Love Is. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about the guest, our guest today. Here's the reason why. I mean, you talk about somebody that's creating an empire over here. Uh, I'm excited. We've been talking to so many of the stars of Pure Flicks movies and different things, and I'm excited to learn more about this guy. So go ahead, Kim, and introduce our guest. Yeah, thanks, Neil. I'm doing great. And I have been so excited for this because, yes, an empire is being created, but it's an empire for the kingdom of God. And that is something very unique and very special and so wonderful. I know that so many lives are being touched by Michael Scott and everybody else who works for PureFlix. So I am so proud and happy to introduce you, Michael Scott, CEO and co-founder of PureFlix. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be on. Thanks so much. Oh, we, 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 the honor is more yours. I'm going to go first question, Kim. I want to talk about how did you come up with this idea? I mean, seriously, because you're thinking about it. I have uh, six kids of my own and certain shows that you should not be watching because specific things. And it's just, you know, when you're an adult, you can watch some of that content, but at the other times it's good content, just a few things that are put in to a movie. Is that how you kind of came up with the idea? Well, you know, it really started, you know, before we had the streaming service, Pure Flix, um, we did a lot of theatrical movies and, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, we see people love to go to the theater. They maybe go once a month, maybe once a quarter, once a year. But what we really realized, if we're going to touch people's lives, um, we know that people come home at night. A lot of times that TV will be turned on. It'll run right through the dinner hour until they go to sleep. Or now it's our little, our phones, right? You know, we have it, we are connected to media all day. And so we wanted to be able to have something that could, we could touch people's lives wherever they're at. And that's was kind of the genesis of PureFlix, um, um, the, the, the app. And it, it's a streaming service that you can get on any device, anytime, anywhere. And we have thousands of God-honoring titles both movies, television series, documentaries that will uplift the whole family. And especially at Christmas time, some incredible content coming. Oh my word. I looked at your Christmas lineup. I looked at part of your Christmas lineup because it is extensive. How, how many films do you have coming out? Oh gosh, there's, there's a couple hundred in there and we have over, uh, you know, about 15 exclusive films that are coming out. Um, and so you can get everything. Um, some of you, you know, we got life Mark coming to the service November 22nd with Kirk Cameron. We've got another film from Kirk Cameron, saving Christmas, uh, angelic, angelic Christmas, one with Karen Abercrombie. And so there's some great titles coming, but not also for the family, but also for those kids too. We have tons of stuff around Christmas for the kids, great cartoons from Veggie Tales and other ones that people can watch and, and really get around as a family. And Michael, did you think that that was going to explode like this? I mean, especially when you had that idea as a co-founder. First, when you kind of wade into something, you're never quite sure, right? 
but then as we started to get into it after a few months, you started to get comments back. Thank you so much for doing this. You touched my life. Um, this, this show changed me or this program met me right where I needed to be met and gave me some really valuable information, advice, um, just uplifted their spirit. So we saw that all the time. So we knew we were onto something. And I think in today's media culture, you're bombarded with all of this, the negative stuff, the sex, the violence and other types of things that just are not God honoring. And this is a place where you can come, you can feel safe and you know, what's on here is going to ultimately be pointing you towards Christ. And I can say as a mother and a grandmother, there is nothing better than to know that you can turn a channel on and don't have to be hovering over right. to see if you have to turn it off, right? Yes. Yeah, so right. How so often the kids sneak away into you know the YouTube and all these things, and you're like, what is what am I hearing out of that thing? You know, and and so this you can give them the controller, you can let them go crazy, they can watch whatever they want, whether it be cartoons, movies, whatever, and it's going to be safe, and you don't have to worry. You can, especially during this holiday season, it can be so busy. You know, you're getting gifts. Ready Ready, you're cooking the meals, Thanksgiving, everything like this. Uh, this is something that you can really let them know that it's safe and you, you can do get done what you need to with the kids. And with the online movement and seeing specifically things, I think the feedback from your fans is such an important thing, isn't it, Michael? So the ultimately what programming to put on and what uh, new uh, originals to come out and create, right? You know, for us, you know, we look at all of our members, they're part of our community, right? We want to, we want to be able to share feedback with them and vice versa. And we can talk, whether it be in social and other channels. And so I think forming that community is really important. And uh, when people get on there and, and talking about each of the titles and what have you. That's so true. You know, I, I think now more than ever, especially after COVID community is huge. And TV has certainly been a part of community, but uh, not necessarily in the right way. Well, so you know, like- so often, how often you go to work or you go somewhere, people talk about the latest HBO show or, or whatever it is, you know, and um, or, or show. I said, why can't they be talking about a really great faith based show that they saw something that really is a you know, especially during the Christmas time, what better time to do that? You know, one of the great shows we have on there, we have the new season of The Chosen as well, uh, which is a great show. And you're getting to Christmas, you want to learn more about Jesus's life and what have you. Uh, What a great thing to turn on and kind of watch. And um, I think it's just, um, there's all types of shows like that. And I think there's probably a lot of shows that people haven't seen, maybe haven't heard about um, that you're going to see on Pure Flix. So lots of new content too, not just old content. And you're definitely bringing old content on as well, right? And yeah, absolutely, because that's the that was the premise of the of the beginning of Pureflex, right? You know, I, to do that. I don't think anybody really has curated a faith library like we have of content, faith and family, and so all the classic titles that you've seen in theaters through through the years, we have many of those titles and new titles every month. We bring in new exclusive titles, new originals, both series. So if you want to watch a TV series and settle into something that you can watch multiple episodes of, uh, you can do that. Or if you want to find the right movie at the right time, we have that as well. So it's it's perfect. Yeah, well, and uh, Christian films have changed a great deal, I have to say, from my youth. And the quality of the films is bar none. Like what, what you are doing is, is change the industry. Yeah, you know... Um, 
we're trying to bring out more originals, better quality. Um, we just had Legacy Peak on our service and it's on there now with Lucas Black, Nothing is Impossible, David A.R. White. Um, so some great new titles, but high quality titles too. Titles that you can sit down and say, wow, that was really, really good. Um, and so um, I think people will enjoy the quality of films and film the the Christian filmmaking has come so far from going back 15, 20 years ago, and we're seeing better acting, better production value, better stories. And um, I think they're ultimately reaching into people's lives and touching them at a time when they need it most. Are you guys looking at streaming, sir? Also like series as well for Pure Flix? Absolutely. You know, I think people, people, you know, everybody's a little different. Some people like movies, some people like series. So we have both, we have documentaries, and other types of shows. So we, we cover the gambit, you know, and, you know, I say also for the guys out there, you want a little action adventure. You want some of those things. We have titles like that as well. Um, we have titled tons of titles um, for any of the moms out there, any of the females out there, we have great titles for them. So we try to cover the gamut from the kids to the men, to the women, everything. And no matter what age you are, if you're a grandmother or you're, you're, it's a young kid, we have something for you. Yes, well, and the the star quality also. I mean, you're drawing some pretty big names to come and do your movies. Yeah, and you know, just had Kirk, we have Kirk Cameron's movie come, Lucas Black. Um, we have uh, we're getting ready. We're get, we're constantly shooting new movies. Um, so we got new stuff that we're shooting even right now. We got coming up. So uh, just a lot of exciting. We want to keep it fresh. We want to keep it new um, for the for the for the member. All right, day in the life of you. What, how's that day start and how does it end being a CEO? Because again, the C-suite is such a challenging position, especially in with the, especially the growth of where you guys have come from, from the beginning, but explain that kind of day in the life. Much you story. know, I, it is, it's, it's their long days and it's a lot of work to do this, but you know what? It's a blessing for me, you know, to be able to hear the feedback of members that are getting touched all over the country, Canada, U.S., and be, to be able to see that is an honor. That's what keeps you going to want to do more and more. And so, you know, day in the life, a lot of phone calls sometimes, you know, sometimes we're doing interviews. We'll, I'll, I'll get, you know, be interacting with the content makers um, for the movies and different things like that. Um, we'll be talking about too, one of our big things is too, how do we create more community for the members so they can talk and share their thoughts and ideas and all of those types of things. Because we don't want this just to be a place where you come and consume content. We want to be this a place where we're in a relationship with that member. And so that they can give us feedback, we can give them feedback on what's coming and what's happening and, and, and really touch their lives or their families. You've hit the nail on the head. If you can create community in yep. PureFlix, it's it's a game changer. You will have customers forever and, and happy customers because the communities aren't being created by companies. It's more personal brand. And if companies can figure out that break and breaking point, say, okay, as a brand that's a company, we can create communities. It's a game changer. You know, Seth Godin's big about tribes. And if you guys can create a tribe at PureFlix and it looks like you are, and that's probably next what you're striving for is that kind of opportunity, I think. And, and we want to create those tribes in that community because ultimately the larger our community is, the larger our tribes, whatever you want to call them, it's um, we, the more we have and the more people interacting means the more shows we can bring, the more lives we can touch. And 
um, better shows for that matter. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing. So uh, we're a big believer in that. And I think during this Christmas time coming together, family, friends, you know, watching a great show and being inspired is a great way for us. All right. Kim Kim has a quick question about love is go ahead, Kim, with your question. Yeah. So Michael, uh, a few years ago, I lived a year, dedicated a year in search of the true meaning of love because it seems to be this mystery, right? But John says that God is love. So what does that really mean? So I took 1 Corinthians 13 and I took one word a month to figure out what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? Most of the time I was on the streets of Haiti. I know you've got a brother who is out in the yes. mission field, I, I think still, right? Yes, And so, uh, so, you know, it's a different dynamic when you're in a country like Haiti. And um, anyway, so the things that I found out about love just blew my mind. And I know that love has got to play a part in this because it's, it's a passion for you. It's not just a job for you. And so uh, what does that look like for you? You know what? I, I think, you know what? I love all of our members first starting there. You know, if we can touch them bring great content into them and show that love of Christ. Ultimately, that's the greatest honor that, you know, we could possibly have. And I think we're seeing that happen in different members' lives and what have you. And so it's super exciting. And especially at this Christmas time, you know, uh, without love at Christmas time, what is there? You know, that's what Jesus talked about that all the time. And so as we go into this Christmas season, uh, I think that's the foundation for a lot of our faith and what we have. And so it's so important. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Every Christmas season that comes, you can't beat it. Exactly. Okay. Best place to find PureFlix is just go right to the app and download it, right? Today or yes, you know what? You go on so whatever device you have, whether you have a smart TV, you're on your iPhone, an iPad, or Roku, or whatever device, we have PureFlix on it. Search PureFlix, download the app, sign up one monthly fee, or you can do an annual plan. You get access on any device, anytime, anywhere, and you can watch as much content as you want. So uh, it's an incredible thing. You can also go on the web at pureflix.com. Once again, pureflix.com and sign up and you'll be blessed this Christmas season. And I just want to say Merry Christmas to you guys and Merry Christmas to all our members or anybody listening. We appreciate it. Thanks again, Michael. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back from the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. And my guest today is going to talk about, you know, your business is not making money. It's certain things. It's it's on uh, life support. Well, my guest today is going to help us get out of that life support, Gene Kuhn. Gene, thanks for stopping by. And you know what? Businesses being on life support, which means bankruptcy, things like that. There's no way of recovering. You learned through your experience how to get through that, right? Absolutely. When I, uh, back in 2002, I bought my first bankrupt business from that person who, like you were talking about, didn't really know how to run a business. And uh, when I, and guess what you can do with a bankrupt business? You can pick them up for pretty much pennies on the dollar. So, Absolutely. Great. And, and so pennies on the dollar. See, I like hearing. So this is something for people that already have businesses established. They just didn't know how to run things right. Maybe they had specifically poor uh, marketing skills, or they were not good at making payments every month, or they did, weren't good with employees. You could take that already business that's close to bankrupt, buy it, and it already has a brand recognition and be able to take it over. So tell us the story of what you did when well, you bought pennies out on the dollar. 
Well, first of all, I never it's it was a retail business and it was a chocolate store. And when I bought it, I thought, how bad could this be, right? It's a chocolate store. Um, when I walked in, I knew exactly what needed to be done. There was really no fresh product in the store to buy. And again, I bought it because it was super cheap. And I had a friend who owned a franchise, the same franchise. So when I bought it, uh, two weeks later, I found myself sitting in the kitchen crying my eyes out, like <gasps> snot running down, down my nose, right? Because I thought I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. So even though it was pennies on the dollar, when you're looking at a four or $500,000 build out on a franchise, it, it was still a significant investment. And uh, I really just felt for the for about 25 minutes, I felt like I just made a horrible, horrendous mistake because I had a little mini panic attack and there was nobody walking in the door and, and I, my kids weren't oh, going to go to college. So like, what, how did you figure that out? Well, you know what? I really, after I got done uh, feeling sorry for myself, I just got my ass up off a milk crate that I was sitting on. And I decided to, maybe I should put the plan in place that I knew that I had when I bought the store. And that's what I started to do. But I didn't have any money. I didn't have a budget and I didn't have a list. So I literally had to get very creative in my marketing to get people in the door. And it was not above us to stand outside and sample chocolate. I had two restaurants, one on each side of me. And at dinner time and lunchtime, we were always out there on the corner sampling wares to get people to come into the store. See, that's that's something. Wow. That, you know, you figured that out. And then another bankrupt business as well. You took took to the next level, too. I did. They were, but they were both the same franchise. They were both bank. They were both the same franchise. They were literally were 20 minutes apart on the same street. And um, yeah, I did the, the one was in a mall and one was on a cute little downtown street front. And then from there, your journey came that you help business owners, right? What I, do you do Yeah. I started helping my fellow franchisees turn their businesses around because apparently it was not a great franchise. It's, it, it, it's still in business, so I'm not going to say who they were, but um, it was not a great franchise and still probably is not a great franchise. But I started helping my fellow franchisees turn their businesses around. And then I started helping other entrepreneurs, service-based businesses turn their businesses around using pretty much the same strategies. I had four strategies. Would you like to know them? Yeah, I want to know them before our time's up. Let's see, six okay. minutes is a, is, 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 I'll give you another minute. Go ahead, give me okay. the floor. So this, there was four, four strategies. Number one, customer service. We had to do it bigger, better, and faster than anyone else. Yeah. Number two, uh, strategic volunteering, being seen as a giver in my community, right? Mm -hmm. Going out there, doing more for other people and always making sure I was seen. Um, number three, uh, sampling, right? Um, I just talked about that, but how can people sample in their businesses now, right? It's getting out there like this and speaking to people. Wow. And number four was marketing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to just tell you a quick little story here about that. Um, one of the things that happened six months after we bought that store was every one of these franchises has a big teddy bear that sits outside of it. And all of a sudden it's, April, it's February 15th. It's the day after Valentine's day. The, it's slightly snowing in the Chicago area. The, the streetlights are on. I know because it's in the police report. Up drives a white panel van. The door flies open. Out jump two ski masked robbers. They grab my giant teddy bear, throw it in the van and take off. And I thought, thank God, something's finally happened, right? So I got a picture of the bear. I created a big missing poster. The news came out. I, I contacted every 
TV, radio station, and newspaper in the Chicago area, all which did uh, did stories on this bear napping. And honestly, that really kind of started it. All of that was free. And it just really kind of put us on the map there. Exactly. People come by and say, we didn't know you were here. How long have you been here? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's out of the box marketing down the line. And that's the thing that makes it exciting is because you cannot think like as a business, you have to become your own marketer. Yes, you have to hire people in marketing that are experts down the line when you've got things really rolling. But you have to think out of the box. You know that business more than anything. So where can people check you out, Gene? I know you got an event coming up and all these different things. Where can people find info on you? How about find me at genekuhn.com. J-E-A-N-K-U-H-N. Make it so simple. Just like me at neilhaley.com. And right. I know we're going to be collaborating together and working together. So definitely reach out to me as quick as possible. I, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the show. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, and thank thanks you. for coming on the Neil Haley Show. Thanks. All right. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. It's the Neil Haley Show. And my guest today, Janet Nichols, is going to bring up a topic that you know what? It's not well known. I'm excited to talk to you, Janet, about this. Janet, how are you? And the topic you have in, in, in the book you wrote a chapter on is renting out a room for, explain that a little bit more to me. Sure. Well, thanks, Neil, for having me on the program. I'm excited to be here. And my book chapter is about taking a space in your home that may not be utilized in its highest and best purpose, meaning either a spare room or perhaps an unfinished basement that could be finished into heated square footage for a traveling professional. This could be a traveling nurse or a radiologist. It could be for any corporate traveler that may have an assignment that is extended, you know, more than just a week or so where a hotel just really doesn't cut it. And this is a fantastic way to bring in some passive income for yourself. It could help pay your mortgage if you have a mortgage payment and can certainly um, be of value to the community where you're providing housing. As we all know, the, the real estate market has been crazy the last 18 months and housing shortages are still a thing, even, even with the market cooling somewhat, especially in popular markets, it is difficult for people to find housing. And if you have the ability to convert unused space, you're really doing your community a huge service. Makes complete sense. So what are the recommendations and tips if you're going to go ahead and do something like this? Sure. Um, first of all, you want to evaluate your space and make sure that you're able to provide what these traveling professionals are looking for. They prefer to have a separate entrance, a private entrance, and a private space. So an ideal scenario would be if you had, for example, a detached garage that had an apartment above it where it had its own living space, that's fantastic. If you have, for example, a ranch style house and you have an ex separate exterior entrance where you could convert that space into either a studio or one bedroom type apartment setting, that would be preferable. Just like all of us, traveling professionals are looking for well-lit accommodations, meaning that it's a safe neighborhood, it's well-lit, they can they feel comfortable coming in and out of the home or the space. 
um, parking available for them, preferably off street, just like you and I would prefer to have our cars, you know, in a driveway or a carport or garage. So do they. So you want to make sure that the uh, accommodations are are good and safe, well lit inside the, the unit as well, and furnished. These folks are busy. They're working 12-hour shifts, most of them, and they don't have time to deal with linens and furniture and a mattress and all of that good stuff. So I recommend that you furnish those items. And I also recommend that you use bed bug proof covers just to protect your tenant and also to protect your property. Make sure that that is um, set up so that everybody feels comfortable. And just furnish basic things, cookware, dishes, glasses, towels, sheets, blankets, comforters, that kind of thing. Certainly want a, a dining space and living room. Wi-Fi is, of course, going to be a must these days with a lot of people not only working perhaps off-premise, but may even be doing their job uh, in your home via the internet. Now, should you use Airbnb or do this yourself? What is your take on that, using Airbnb or... That's a great question. I have done Airbnb, not for traveling nurses, but for vacation rentals personally. Um, I have personally just started doing this myself. So it depends on your level of comfort um, in, in your experience. Probably if this is your first time out, I, I would recommend either doing Airbnb, VRBO, or FlipKey. FlipKey is the TripAdvisor's version of those services. But to have a third party is helpful, especially if you're not experienced. It just gives you, gives you peace of mind and gives the tenants peace of mind if you're not experienced in it. All right, so Janet, where can people find information on you learn more about you, where can they go? The best way to contact me to get information on this is just to email me. My email is my name with my middle initial S and Sam. So it's Janet S Nichols, and that's N-I-C-H-O-L-S at gmail.com. All right. Appreciate it, Janet. A lot of really interesting, valuable information for people to think about. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate the, the time. You're welcome. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and then also the Media Giant Effect. It's so great to work with uh, Suzanne Evans' speakers. They're just phenomenal people, and I've been interviewing them the last couple of days, and I swear it's, it's therapy for me. It's therapeutic because their expertise and knowledge and I learned something and I maybe need to go back through because I never do listen to my interviews. I've done over 9,000 plus. I just get, I cringe listening to myself. I don't know why that is, or I don't have time because I've done so much content, but my guest today is going to tackle a topic that every entrepreneur, business owner, person, anyone in the world deals with. And that's difficult people or which I call adversarial people. Uh, Leslie Austin, Leslie, thanks for stopping by. And yeah. So is how do we deal with difficult people? It, well, you, yeah. the thing is, they're not always adversarial because they are not actually paying attention to you. I call them impossible people. And the common word everybody's misusing these days is narcissist. And what I want to say is you're not going to change the other person. So you've got to learn what their patterns are, what motivates them, and the right strategies to respond. So they will change their behavior, but it's because you're different. You're not going to get somebody else to change. 
that's not because they're not tuning into you. They're not aware. They're totally involved in their own world. They only view you as an extension of themselves and what they want. And whether you like it or not, that's the truth. Okay. So do we push, do we stay away from them if we don't have to be around them? Well, there's a, a spectrum of how impossible people are. I mean, a lot of people, my cousin always had to be right. She drove me crazy, even when she was wrong. And that can mm. be irritating. It can be infuriating, or it can really hurt your relationships, your marriage, your partnership, your business, if you're a business person. It can be very destructive. So the strategy is to understand that what they're really after there is that secretly they're very insecure and they're threatened. And they don't know that. And you don't want to let them know that you know that. So with people like that, you can't actually say, no, you're wrong, because then they'll fight you and they'll bully you and they're better at it than you are. And you'll leave feeling terrible. So there are strategies that you can learn, specific ways to react. For example, that are a win-win for everybody. You want to get someone to say yes to something, don't give them a yes or no question. Give them two options, both of which are fine with you. And emphasize the one you want slightly less, and they'll choose the one you really want, just to win. Mm. So if you understand they have to win, set up a win. It sounds complicated, but over time it gets easy and instinctive. And what you're really doing is managing their behavior. They're speaking French. You're speaking Greek. They're not going to learn French. I mean, they're not going to learn Greek. So you have to learn just enough French to get them to talk to you. Do you see some people that will, are willing to change? Oh, Is many. I've done executive coaching for many years. Really star performers make tons of money for their companies, really abusers. The ones, the, the, the star performer who uh, treats people badly is territorial, the bullies. And when they're about to crash and burn and they're sent for coaching and they know something's wrong, I want to teach them to be a bigger, better, smarter king. And that they can hear. You're doing something wrong. They can't hear. And those people are very motivated to win bigger and better. I just teach them to win smarter. And what they end up learning without realizing it is human relationship skills. Okay. I have transformed myself through some really good mentors in the last couple of years that I'm totally different than I was a year ago. I'm totally different than I was two years ago. I have learned from experience and I ultimately look at my days as being a professional wrestler. And even though I was on stage in a way that I was the star, I was the top dog independence. I was the main event. I, and I probably treated a lot of people below card, not very nice. Mm -hmm. And this was when I was really young. And I ultimately as a teacher were controlling as heck. When I was a teacher after my professional wrestling career, teachers have egos. Teachers mm -hmm. really don't want to listen to someone else's opinion. So I've had to really transform myself in business to understand, oh my gosh, right. that's not the person I want to be. And I learned from those things. And so it's interesting if you're dealing with somebody like I used to be, or I, you know, at times still <laughs> am built into to approach things differently. And I love what you're saying. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a spectrum. Those characteristics that you're describing that you had in those years are not necessarily bad. They're just too extreme and they're too out of balance. Those are the characteristics that make you a good leader, that make you a good host of the show to lead your guests. They're the same characteristics. You've just brought them back into a proper balance, which allows you to relate to the person that you're with. So Bring your ego to zero, as I've been told by a mentor of mine the last year. 
mm. bring my ego to zero. And it's because I did was not taught that growing up. I chose specific things and, and I really cringe when I interview celebrities that have that ego versus the ones that have an ego to zero. And there are certain people, I won't say who they are, mm. but you would be really surprised what celebrities don't that are exactly not the egomaniac that are so humble versus ones that you don't even want to talk to. And there's only a few because right. once you, do you believe what's keeping people from real, real success is their, is their difficulty with other people once they can be able to work with people better? It and can learn. be really key. It can be really key. And the thing is, if you're saying bring your ego to zero, I'm going to reinterpret that. This is my interpretation. What that means is just not I, me, me, mine. I'm the best everything for me. But what's best for us? What's best for the community? What's best in the relationship? And then ego is balanced. We all have some ego. We have some sense of self. We can't eradicate ourselves. But are we using ourselves for the benefit? of our, our society, our culture, our relationships, our dealings with other people? Are we trying to make life better? Or are we just about, I gotta feel great? That's a significant difference. And that's the uh, only child syndrome I have. That's the other thing. Uh, there's definite only, <laughs> but at 49 years old, going on 50, I'm finally figuring out things. <laughs> I guess hey, better now than never. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, perfect timing. So what people, I like when you said dealing with difficult people and I'm going to, and I can go a little bit longer because this is a great topic. And this is like, as I said, speaking now, let's put myself at not me, (laughs) that I'm the difficult person back in the day because, because ultimately when you are treated with royal, like royalty at times because of wrestling, because of specifically being on stage as the star and figure all those things out. Well, now we're dealing with other difficult people. You talked about difficult people that just, you know what? They always are right. And I think it's only child syndrome is definitely always right. What about ones that are difficult people that you kind of want to only spend a little time with? The ones that have a difficulty that you can form and work on things to have a win-win. What if they're even more difficult? Right. There are some people on the more extreme end of the spectrum that you need to get out of your life if possible. And if they're a family member, you really need to look and deal or a boss, you want to try and get a different job. There's a certain toxic element to the extreme uh, bullying, narcissistic, difficult behavior that you're not going to be able to manipulate and change. And if you are consistently left feeling completely demoralized, infuriated, powerless, upset, and nothing you do of learning the right strategies and nothing works, then that's a person that you need to minimize in your life or eliminate from your life if possible and bless them into their almost perfect good and get away from them because you're not going to be able to change them and you're the one that's going to suffer. So again, it's a spectrum. It's a, it's a, a range of how much can they respond to the strategies. And the thing that you need to know is once you learn their emotional playbook is what I like to call it. Once you learn that and you learn how to respond to get a reaction that will be a better uh, reaction from them. If they start to respond, there's a lot of hope and you'd be surprised how many people will respond. There's a smaller group that really won't. And we see them in politics. We see them in a lot of our celebrities. We see them all over our media, the ones who really won't change and they live different lives. You don't wanna be around them very much. 
and certain bosses that we've yeah, dealt with absolutely. that were not willing to say they're wrong, not willing to treat the person with respect, dignity, and that they're the same. It was a great point you made about how I've had to transform myself as an interviewer from the days that, okay, I'm on stage as a pro wrestler and they're just the fans to now a relationship with my guests to a level that is improving every day because I'm learning every day. And you, yeah, have, to, you have to look at you have to look at the inside, look at yourself inside and say, do you really want to be that person? And, and there's another distinction when you're a wrestler in front of an audience, it's a partly a performance. And when you're interviewing guests and being with people, the requirement of your authenticity as a real human being goes way up. So there's also a different requirement for you as a person in relating to your audience or your different audience. So right. And I think that's what's hard for celebrities, athletes, everyone that's been treated in some way as royalty in certain times yeah. to really change who they are i mean i deal i mean i deal with celebrities and some of them are like that i've had as clients and the most difficult clients ever and have had celebrities that they want everything now they don't understand specifically there is another person one one of the advice i was given with people that i on my team that i have to not treat them as an employee and i did not understand that and it's mm -hmm. like because we are taught this is how you treat people lower you in the totem pole this right. is how you're supposed to. And that's old school. And what you're saying is relationships won't work out. Things will not work out till you change who you are. So I guess in this conversation, we did not think we'd take it in this path, but it's very, very important dealing with what about the difficult people to even level? You brought up politicians, celebrities. You're cracking me up because that was the role model I wanted to be at times. Oh boy. Let's go even further down that, that the ones that are even to the level, not just egotistical, but dishonest, aren't really do that are cheating, lying. You want to be away from them completely. Don't oh, totally. And those are the ones where you're going into diagnostic categories. The old fashioned ones like sociopath, psychopath, the ones who don't have a moral conscience, some people don't actually know right from wrong, so they think they can do anything. They're the dangerous ones. Those used to be called the sociopaths, and what used to be called, they've had new terms now, what used to be called psychopaths are the ones who know right from wrong and don't care and go ahead and do it anyway. And that's an important distinction to understand the mindset of how somebody can do something so heinous and so terrible. I used to talk about that on Nancy Grace's show. I was on with her for years about the differences in the mentality about why people do these horrible, heinous things. Well, I already can tell you, or wow, you definitely have blown me away less where can we find information on you and stuff like that. I definitely have to be back to talk about different topics down the line. This is just, this is just a wonderful, uh, a therapy session in a way for me and that's why i like my conversations my interviews is i want to take it in the direction that's the best for my audience and also the best for me because if i can enjoy it i'm sure everyone else can as well and if I, they didn't well i got something out of it that i can take and build on later where can people well, it's on pleasure neil and and my message is there's hope there really is hope you can reach me at uh, leslieaustin.com l-e-s-l-i-e-a-u-s-t-i-n leslieaustin.com Leslie at LeslieAustin.com. And you can find my Facebook group, uh, Dr. Leslie Austin, D-R-L-E-S-L-I-E-A-U-S-T-I-N. Thank you, Dr. Leslie. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show and also the media giant effect. And I'm excited to welcome my guest, 
Libby Patrick. And she's going to talk about today specifically not working on ourselves. We have all this stuff. We try to distract ourselves with so many different things instead of working on ourselves. And uh, in society, Libby, I guess what happens is our job is we're kind of always told we got to help others. We got to do different things and we forget about ourselves. Sometimes I forget about my personal brand versus all my clients, how I really rock it out in their personal brand, even though I have a really good brand. I should be spending more time on myself. Working on yourself is so important, isn't it? It is. It is. And Neil, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. Podcasts are great when people are trying to work on themselves, learn more, be challenged. So what I see every day is exactly what you just said. People want to help all these other people in their life and they forget to work on themselves. And so give us some steps to how we can work on ourselves or things that kind of say a warning signs. You know what? I'm not working on myself. <laughs> so what should we be doing that we're not doing? Because that's well, what Yeah. The kind of thing that I see all the time is I walk in someone's home and they tell me they need to um, have help getting rid of stuff, actual content in their home. And when I walk in there and I'm looking at, let's say, 99 screwdrivers on the wall and they say, oh, I, I don't really care about screwdrivers, but I don't like empty space. So I just filled it up. I'm like, this is not about the screwdrivers. So it can be sometimes about literal, you know, content that they're just, they, they don't want to think about. It, so they're buying, they're going somewhere all the time, uh, filling up their schedule so they don't breathe, but it takes time to be uncomfortable with yourself so that you can really think and see what's going on. And uncomfortable and working on yourself in that self-development phase is, it's not taught, right? So I want to kind of know why am I, if the, the kind of question I'm asking is, what things should we do that we should be doing every day to work on ourselves? Absolutely. It starts with actually just spending time with yourself, being alone, asking yourself some questions. Why do I feel this way? What is it that's bothering me? Um, and sometimes you do need to talk to somebody. But once you kind of know, let's say it's um, baggage from childhood that you didn't feel valued. So you're going to have to get books, listen to podcasts, um, get some counseling to help you deal with I am valuable. And then from there, every day, it's getting up and saying, I am valued, I am loved, I'm important. Self-talk is very important. If you're just buying stuff and keeping yourself busy, you're not even listening to the right self-talk. Okay, that, that makes complete sense in so many ways. It's taking time to reflect. A lot of times we reflect on our business versus we're reflecting on what we really want. I think that in my journey of the last couple of years is I'm now finally looking at what I really want versus what everyone around me wants that are associated with me. And that's the word comes out selfish. Why is that not selfish? You know that they say when people think you, you, you think about yourself too much. That has always got a bad connotation as you're selfish. How yeah. is that not selfish to think about yourself? Because if you don't work on yourself, you're, you're really not your best for anyone else. And so I tell people, take time for you because that makes you the best daughter, parent, sister, friend, person, best version of you. And so then you're able to give back to others in a better way because you took time for yourself. Oh, that's powerful. Um, and it's something that people really have to think about and say, oh my goodness, 
Is this really uh, what I'm doing? So basically taking time for yourself, really looking at things and how do we uncover some of the skeletons in our closet that kind of drag us each day to not move forward? How do we do that? How do we deal with that to really when we're thinking about ourselves saying, let me look at things that are, you know, from childhood or a specific trauma that's happened now, a specific type of a loss, uh, things like that to say, okay, now I need to work on things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, one of the things I had to do is go clear back to my childhood in school and the way I felt in school um, has affected me as an adult. So that's where I had to become uncomfortable is looking back. Why, what, what developed those feelings in me? Um, there is a lot of books and podcasts and things out there that tell us we need to look at ourselves, but until you really stop and get alone with your thoughts and be still and think about it, you're probably not going to dig deep enough. And most time you don't need to go to, you know, a counselor to help you pull it out. You kind of know as an adult, by the time you're in your forties or fifties, you know, I've got some issues here. <laughs> so what it comes down to is you have one life and maybe it takes till we're in our forties or fifties to realize, wow, this life thing's going so fast. I want to be the best version of myself. And I'm going to, I'm going to work on me because I want to, you know, not just, camouflage it i want to fix it all right so where is the best pe place people can find information on you such great information i haven't heard it that way that you, before you go and get someone like yourself to help you want to help yourself to start figuring things out so when you do see an expert like yourself you really haven't uncovered what needs to be really uh helped and fixed not fixed but really worked through and go yeah. through all the things. Because if you don't really know what it is, why you make the decisions you make every day, why you're concerned about not taking a chance and getting out of your comfort zone, figuring out those different things, you need to contact someone like you. So where can people find <laughs> info? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, my name is Libby Patrick and I own and operate a downsizing company called Blue Robin Downsizing. Uh, so you can go to my website, bluerobindownsizing.com. Um, I've also, I'm an author of a new book, Miss um, Hoarder's Secrets. So uh, you can find the book on there. You can also find this book that's just came out. I wrote a chapter in there because until you work on yourself, you can't take care of all the other things. And I really appreciate you um, asking the questions that you did and revealing some things that you don't work on yourself sometimes either. Yeah, so, so that's right. And that's, the, we, got, we got to be willing to put ourselves out there. And if you're going to be successful on social media and podcasting, being a guest is you really have to uncover yourself and let people know it's no longer a private situation. We have to do that. So I appreciate you coming by. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you. All right. You too. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment.